Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch. This week, I'm joined by meditation and mindfulness coach, founder of A Still Mind, author and A Higher Branch faculty member, Tom Sullivan. Welcome, Tom. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. It's lovely to be here again with you. Awesome. In the flesh, live in the flesh, which (laughs) is really refreshing because most of my podcasts over the last few months have been obviously on Zoom. But just a little bit about yourself for people that don't know who you are. I love the fact that you came from a corporate background, but now you Mm -hmm. have over 10 years experience studying, practicing and teaching meditation. Mm -hmm. And you've become a reputable coach, not just across Sydney, but uh, also nationally in Australia. And over the past two years, you have become one of the most loved <laughs> speakers at the Upgrade Your Life events. <laughs> we have recorded a podcast together very early in the piece. It seems uh, like a while ago now, yeah, doesn't it? it was, uh, almost a couple of years ago. Yeah. But we're going to do a deep dive into uh, some of the areas of meditation mm-hmm. and um, some of the things that pop out for me from our original conversation was the fact that three things in fact number one is that you know when someone takes up personal training Mm -hmm. you know training their body or eating a diet they they can see the results right and so that gives them motivation to go Mm. to the next level with meditation the result is really abstract it's you know intangible you can't measure it mm. you can't like measure your waist or measure your muscles right but it's just a lift in happiness sure one of the other things you mentioned is that meditation is really hard <laughs> right <laughs> and, and that's one of the reasons is because of that the other thing you mentioned was that meditation is like detox for the mind mm. from memory so you know we work out our bodies we eat healthy but we don't actually work out our minds mm. or settle our minds and meditation is probably in a, as essential as exercise right mm. uh, but it is so difficult that a lot of people give up on it right, right? and it's so difficult because our mind is always racing we're addicted to distraction and mm. now the digital deluge through our phones and mm. our computers is making us you know more susceptible to that monkey mind sure yeah so i just wanted people to know that up front that don't switch off because we're talking about meditation because i know what you're thinking oh it's just too hard Right. <laughs> so I think probably the first thing to say about that is, and before anyone else uh, switches the dial, is that you know you mentioned from the offset that people practice a physical exercise, right? You go to the gym, whatever it might be, and you see certain results. Yes, you're still making a decision. You're, you're thinking about doing that, and you're making a decision before you get to that point. That's and right. What we're really dealing with meditation is we're actually dealing with that point. So we're training that point. So it's not just the meditation practice that you're going to benefit from because you're going to be able to start take more control over your mind, over your thoughts. So when you think about the the way that you can apply that, it's outside of the practice as well. You can apply that to, I want to focus more on being mindful in a relationship. I need to train my mind to do that because what previously happened is I've got habits that get in the way. And typically, these habits were starting with the mind. 
Absolutely. starting with a, a reaction to yep. something, right? So something yeah. happens and then we have a, a set of built uh, structure within the mind that if this happens, this is what I do. This is how I feel when that happens. It's really useful for a lot of things, but it's also detrimental to other things as well. So Absolutely. Our relationships, our effectiveness at work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you're a parent, your ability to parent properly mm. yeah, and to be present. Yeah. Because one of the other things you mentioned uh, in our first podcast, which is beautiful, and you, you said that one of the most effective things to do for your relationships, all relationships, mm. personal and professionals, was to be present. Mm. Practice mindfulness. Yeah. Mindfulness, yeah. yeah. And meditation helps us. If you're looking at it that way, you know, mindfulness is, and we're probably, we're probably going to deep dive into that a little bit more today, yeah. but yep. if, if you look at it, you're being mindful in something is that you're fully in whatever you're doing. But that's also a practice because if you are doing certain things and you're not fully present you need to practice being present there's no other way around doing it it's not just like someday you're just Mm -hmm. going to go aha and then you're going to live in this state of like you're always going to be in the moment it's like anything else it's like a physical practice you need to work on it and meditation is like really going to that gym and working on that side of things so we're practicing focusing when we're doing that very deliberately So the more that we can practice focus and actually get into that state of feeling what it feels like to be present, the more you can take that outside and apply it to all these other different parts of your life. So is mindfulness then different to meditation? Because my next question was going to be, well, how do you achieve mindfulness? Yeah, great question. And this is one that I come up a lot with as a teacher. So teach a lot of people to meditate for the first time. And you might get people saying, oh, look, I have my meditation practice. It's my running it's my gardening and i think i just want to make it really clear that is a mindfulness practice so that is if you're really into something and there's an absence of thought and you're in a certain action you're doing a certain um, you know task or whatever it might be or some sort of interaction with someone that's being mindful so you're not thinking about other things you're not thinking about what has just passed or what is to come in that particular activity you're just responding to what is happening moment to moment Okay. Meditation, on the other hand, is a state that we get ourselves into. It's a mental state. It's an absence of thought. So the way that we do that is through stillness. So we find stillness in the body. And then it is a, a reversal of where your senses are going. When we wake up and when we're awake and moving around, our senses are always pointed out. Yes. Okay. Yes. Smell, taste, touch. You know, these are all the things that are being engaged, and this is a projection from in to out. Yes. So, for our listeners, Sam and I, I ran you through a little practice. Where, you know, through Zoom when we were in COVID. Yes. And so it was quite a deliberate process, and it's the same meditation practice I follow. So, it starts with the movement of body, breath, and mantra being a sound to help us move that. I I like to call it like a spotlight that's going out to in. So we start the practice, we move the body, we marry the breath, we use a mantra. So we're starting to internalize. Then we go and we start to do a a couple of different pranayama exercises and they're all designed at switching off the outer senses so we can go in. So by the time we've run that practice and we can deconstruct that a little bit more if you want, but I might spend five to 10 minutes of that kind of practice and then I'll spend you know upwards of 20 minutes or whatever it might be meditating and that is i put my awareness in the middle of my head and you know right in the the center of my skull 
and I surrender. So there's no effort at that point. It is a simple surrender from there. Yes. Yes. But you've got to spend time and effort on, and, and I think understanding about what you're actually doing. You need to spend that time to do it. And then the more you do that and repeat that, the more results you'll have. And it's probably here that it's worth noting. And, and if anybody, we, we can get into, you know, the benefits and science is catching up, you know, in terms of what's happening in the body, the way the brain waves change. We can look at the sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous system, for example, and how yep. we get into that sort of side of things. But I think probably what's you know most important is to understand that these practices and the one that I practice and teach has been around for thousands upon thousands of years, unchanged. So what that really means and, and what people, you know, if you're sitting on the fence about meditation, you don't know what it's like, or, you know, I, I would ask you what other practices have been around. We haven't been doing Pilates, or we're probably doing, that's probably not a very good example, but, you know, there's a lot of different fad exercises that we can probably bring up at this point that haven't stood the test of time so if you think about you're going to be doing the same practice that somebody else has done for thousands of years unchanged that's right it's a very good point also it has become mainstream really hasn't yeah. it meditation isn't something that's alternative anymore like five years ago yeah yeah it's not many people were doing it but now everyone's talking about it. everyone has apps for it yeah. and now you're developing some uh, online courses as well yeah which we'll be releasing uh uh, soon mm. i want you to give people an eight-week challenge during this podcast as well yeah for meditation because i think people like challenges mm -hmm. and when they're given a challenge they're more inclined to do it because <laughs> meditation is tough right yeah yeah I, I think people would rather run half a marathon than to sit and meditate for yeah. an hour like yeah. it's tough to yeah. sit and do nothing and to clear the mind that's right. But I mean, forming new habits is tough. That's the really tough part about it. It's the yeah. form, it's the formation of a new habit, but it's also the fact that your mind and, and when you start moving into a meditation practice, you come up against that scary three letter word, which is ego, right? This is the thing that, um, you know, governs a lot of what we do, how we react to things. It's in a space where it's either operating on things that have been or things that are yet to come. It doesn't operate on what's happening right now. Right. So right, okay. when you go into that space, it will come up with every reason to not be there. So by that, I mean, if you don't, and this is what I say to people, if you're just going to start out a meditation practice, get it done early in the day. And people think, oh, I need to sit for 20 minutes. It's not true. Like, I mean, if we're going to do an eight-week challenge, if you get to the point where you're doing five good minutes, that's a really successful eight weeks. You can start with 60 seconds. You've got your whole life to really get into it. I think you need to understand, especially if you're older, you're stuck in your ways, right? You know, yeah. and it's hard to form new habits. So you've just got to be realistic with yourself. You've got to be easy on yourself in that respect. And you've got to think, okay, so you're going to come up against challenges. And the challenges are, it just doesn't feel that important to do you're going to sit there when you first start you're going to sit there and you're going to think a lot right and you'll probably get frustrated that you're thinking and you're not getting these like yeah. incredible experiences and that so that makes it tough like you know as you're saying but the same in the same respect you don't go to the gym twice and expect to look like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, and as right. Mr Olympia right you have to work on it and so when you get to that point in that in the way you're thinking that's when i go okay trust the process this thing has been around for longer than almost any other form of 
wellness exercise to make you feel better. In fact, it is the oldest form of exercise. Yoga is very acceptable. Yoga is for meditation. It's for the body to make sure the body is energetic and it's able to sit still. That's what it's for. It is designed for meditation. So you get to that point and you go, okay, so I'm I'm just going to start or carve out some time, right? Get it done early because the longer you leave it, trust me, I'm probably been practicing for I think now it's 13 years and I had a long layoff over COVID because I had a really bad back injury so you know even for that length of time I started off again 15 minutes which for me is short but I have to respect that if I want to form that successful habit I'm not going to go back and sit for 45 minutes or an hour straight away because I'm not strong enough to do it you need to build up to do it so that's the first thing is if you can believe and trust in that process that I've mentioned before then there's no need to rush it but I just think do it right and I have this there's a great yoga teacher his name's Christian Ralston he he teaches around Bondi and Surrey and that sort of thing and he's a ex-rugby player and a phenomenal teacher and he's an absolute specimen of a man but I love going to his classes and five ten minutes and he's like great standards are high today standards are high and he really sets that tone for that practice so even if it is one or two minutes of your practice it is setting that standard of going okay this is the time where i'm just focused on the breath and i know that i'm going to get drawn away the mind is always going to do that because again we've been doing it for thousands of years we know that when you start there is going to be a certain response you mentioned monkey mind before and buddhism they're like that's the first part of the journey is as you sit you realize holy shit what is going on with my mind it's yeah. all over the place like literally like an untamed untrained monkey that's the yeah. thing that you come up against it's like okay that's cool that's part of it but i know that i've just got and that's why it's at the start of going oh no it's 20 minutes i've got to sit here it's like hey look it's just two minutes i'm just going to do two minutes this week at the same time every day yep. i'm probably going to do it when i first wake up and then i'm going to you know that's a really hard thing for me to do but i'm going to get it done and i'm going to get that sense of satisfaction from that practice for that time so even if we're going okay week one yeah of the challenge i'm like okay so let's just focus on breathing for one minute okay and perhaps what we'll do is we'll breathe in for the count of two and we'll just hold and then we'll breathe out for four just do that for a minute it's the first thing we're going to do just start to get a bit of a relationship with that that yep. sensation of that and also as a byproduct that one two breathing cycle is a good way to start to bring yourself into that parasympathetic what i do with all my students i'm like look this is a mental practice but you've got to get the body into a state to meditate it's not quite as simple as just sitting down and getting into meditation so i do a lot of body scan practice so you know go through relax the feet relax the legs but get an understanding and a feeling of what that actually feels like right right. because we don't often do that of going and you don't realize and and the more you go through sitting and meditation you say i'm sitting for 10 minutes and then i'm i'm off to the races on some sort of thought that's causing me stress and then by the time i snap out of that i realize oh my jaws tight my shoulders are back up around you know like it's it's, all of those things manifest in the body yeah so we can't go into these deeper and really enjoyable incredible experiences of meditation if we can't push through that first so we talk about body mindfulness kind of practice 
that we get into and it's a way of becoming familiar with that that sensation so we can then move forward into that mental practice and into that space of surrender that's beautiful so i do want to go through some challenges Mm -hmm. and you mentioned week one Mm -hmm. so i want to break it down to the basics especially for new listeners so i want to talk about like where you meditate Mm -hmm. when you meditate how long you meditate you know the time of day you mentioned and also leave it for people to come up with their own solutions that that suit them but before we do that i want to talk about the benefits i think it's important to outline what the benefits of meditation are Mm -hmm. just to to get people motivated because that's how i get motivated i just think okay what are the benefits what is this doing for me why should i do it (laughs) right what's in it for me as they say yeah And then we're going to talk about the how Mm -hmm. to meditate because there's so many different ways Mm -hmm. and the types of meditation. So the where, when, how long, how, and type. And I also want to talk about how to get the family involved in meditation. Then I want to talk about stress, anxiety. Mm -hmm. So not just the benefits, but also for people who are suffering you know, from certain conditions that Mm -hmm. this can help. And it can also help with pain management. Mm I know when I injured myself and I was going through uh, a bit of pain, I used meditation rather than Nurofen, right? Mm, mm. <laughs> and it, it actually, it's amazing. <laughs> Before we get into the benefits, I just want to mention something that you touched on earlier, and that is, I remember when I first started meditating many years ago, I launched it in, in a big way. I downloaded Joe Dispenza's oh, yeah. meditation. It went for an hour and 14 minutes. <laughs> and something profound happened to me during the meditation that is my anxiety level started increasing and i started getting a lump in my throat so obviously for some people you've got to pick the right number of minutes right because meditation is like medicine if you have too much of it maybe it brings up certain things i didn't know what it was i'm sitting here why am i getting anxious i mean this is my body's still you know Mm. so i guess when we get to the point about you know how long to meditate you yeah. know maybe if we can give people some things to to mm. think about because um, obviously with me just being still for that long my mind was racing it was out of control you got to do yeah. this got to do that i started thinking of everything that i had to do yeah. other than sit there right and then it was just frustrating to do that and then the anxiety just triggered yeah. and then it turned me off meditation yeah for a while you were sitting you weren't meditating you know, so again, yeah. we go back to that definition. Meditation is you're actually going to a different state of absence of thoughts. And you're probably right. You just push it too hard. Yeah. And, you know, it is a gradual thing. You have to build up to it. and you, But you've got to make sure that, as I said, you know, got to have those quality minutes. Standards are high. Yeah. So you set a certain standard. Same thing. Think if you've never been running before, you're not going to take off on a 10K. Start with jogging around the block. So I effectively it's, did a, yeah, I mean, a you marathon just, meditation. Yeah, yeah well, you, you know, like you're, by that stage, you're dragging your ass over the finish line and you hate it. You know, you're not at Goggins level at this stage. You're not at the point where you, you know that you can thrash yourself and get through it. I know I, 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 people have differing views on this, but my approach has always been a gradual one. And there's a, probably a few different things. First thing you mentioned is the where. Yep. Anywhere is great, but a quiet space in your house, even if you have to retreat to the bathroom, right? You know, when you're first starting. You know, especially if you've got a, a busy house with kids and that sort of thing, you need to, you, you really got to, I, I see people coming into practice and they've got their phone next to them and it's on and it's buzzing. Like, no, you've got to unplug. If you're going to do two minutes and say by the end of the week, eight weeks, maybe we're doing 15. 
It's like you've got 23 hours and 45 minutes to do all those other things that your mind tells yourself that it's the most important thing to do at the time. So again, yeah. we're coming up against that ego thing. This is more yeah. important than being in the but than being in the now. Yes, that's what it's saying to you. So the first thing is really committing to that, whatever that space is. The best is to have a dedicated spot, a corner of a room. We, that's all you do in that space. That's so the best because quietness you, is the key. Just lack of distraction. But you don't need to try and find people like, I need to go to the ocean to do this and this is where I do it. It's like, no, that's un, unpractical because you're not always going to be able to get there. So the more important thing is mm-hmm. that doing it regularly, doing it consistently. So understanding that, I don't know if you've been to, have you been to India? No, you know, no. you go there and you think, well, this is the birthplace where all this is from. It's the most chaotic place and the noisiest, smelliest. You know, so you think about that. You're never going to get a respite there, right? So no. don't set unrealistic standards about where you need to do it and that sort of thing. Because I only do it out looking over a clifftop. If it's pouring with rain and windy, you don't want to do it, right? Yeah. So yep. Yep. Um, ideally, the same place and, and the same spot because you actually build up good energy in that space. That's the important thing. But if not, just a space where you know that you're not going to get distracted for that amount of time. And making agreement with the household probably ties into a little bit about the, the family, which we'll get into as well. But, you know, making agreements with yourself and making sure that everybody else in the household, if there are other people that are aware, that's your time. It's a very short amount of time. This is an investment for not only for myself, but for everyone else as well. So I'm doing this for myself, but I'm doing this to enrich my relationships with people. So making that agreement, making that known is really important right just on that as well if you're like me and you're not very flexible invest in a zafu and a zabuton like a, a meditation cushion so you get a flat cushion that takes a bit of the pressure off the ankles and knees and then you get like a buckwheat kind of round cushion they come in different shapes and there's different things but yeah if you're like me if you can't sit comfortably for a period of time you want to have props to be able to yep, assist yeah. in that. Yeah, I got That's one really, of those, yeah. yeah. it's really important. It really helps. Massively, yeah, massively. So that was my next question, you know, in what position, because I like to lie down when I meditate, <laughs> but everyone says, no, you need to be seated. Yeah. What's the reason for that? That's a really good question. You might remember with that practice is we're doing Kriyas, which start, which is a, an energetic flow from the base of the spine to the, to the tip of the skull. So mm. to have that actual sensation and the more you start to practice, you start to feel this. You're drawing energy up right, and right. into the top of the head and down. So that's really ultimately the spine is the, the key. Yep. If you can't, for whatever reason, anything is fine. But being able to sit with a straight spine, not only is it beneficial to your health, but it's really powerful. And I think this is probably something that I've shied away a lot as a teacher in the past, but it's important to tell people this, is that there's a lot more to it with the practice. As you get into it, you start to feel the more subtle sides of your existence, be that energy and thought. You become more in tune with that sort of thing. So being in a position this is what the whole yoga thing is about right it's making sure that the body is strong enough because we're drawing more and more energy in as we go and deeper into our practice yep yep so in order to have that you you have a good posture and, and a nice straight spine to make that happen okay right that makes a lot of sense what about putting e-plugs in and related to that uh guided or not guided what's better i put my earphones in just to block out the noise uh, the point you make about telling your family, 
that's really important too because early on I didn't tell my family because I was mm. embarrassed to say right. I'm meditating. It's yeah. like they'd think, oh, is there anything wrong? Why are you meditating? <laughs> you know, because everyone associates meditation with someone who's going through a heart a crisis or something. <laughs> so it took me a lot of courage to uh, built up a lot of courage to say I'm actually meditating in my room now. Right. So right. I'd really appreciate it if there's no music, no TV. And now a few years later, my daughter meditates as well, which is so oh, that's good. Awesome. So it's good to communicate. I was having this same conversation, totally different context. So it was with Dr. Jen Mann. And by the time we uh, published this podcast, we would have released hers and it was about mm. sex. <laughs> yeah, she right. gets quite explicit. For anyone that hasn't listened to it, go back and listen to it because she covers everything nobody wants to talk about publicly. But she said the key is medit- to communicate. I think with meditation, mm. you make a very good point, you know, publicize the fact that you're doing it so you have that quiet time. But just going back to m- my point is that then I actually plug in mm-hmm. because you still hear slamming car doors at the front or the lift going up or someone telling off their kid next door. So, yeah, do we plug in, put something in our ears to block out the noise and two, guided or not guided, what's better? Yeah. Okay, I've, I've never heard of plugging the ears. I take the opposite approach. I think mm-hmm. that if there is a noise, I use it as a little bell or reminder to go to surrender more, to go deeper into the practice. Oh, so wow. it's and it's I also yeah, it's really interesting, love right? That. So when yeah. you first start it, you'll notice you get frustrated. Yeah, you know you'll know. Oh, shut the hell up, right? But you can actually program how you change. This is a large part of what we're doing is we're actually rewiring the way that we respond to things because that's what we're, you know, from a neuroplasticity point of view, we respond to certain things, and the more you respond to it, it starts to form like a groove, and that's our normal response. So if you find yourself like. I'm impatient or, you know, I'm quick to anger and that sort of thing. What you're doing is you're responding to scenarios in the same way, right? You know how many times you you do something and you snap at somebody that you love and you go, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But it's that automatic response. So this is a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with. We're basically Mm -hmm. nipping it in the bud. And it's good, as I said, trying to create these perfect environments and that sort of stuff is I think it's going to be to your detriment. And I think some of the best sittings I've had have been around different distractions. I've used it to deepen my practice. The second thing I'd say is that, and I said this actually in the, at the last Upgrade Your Life, I said, oh, what's the difference between, I put two photos up. One had a monk sitting in a meditation and the other one was somebody sitting in a meditative posture with headphones on in a more modern environment. The thing is that there was no other monk standing next to that monk telling them okay now relax breathe doing all these sort of things that's right right. that's right i i love guided meditations right i love doing different energetic stuff i like doing the body scans i think there's an you know i think they're amazing yep yep but to get to that deeper state you're the only person that can do it you nobody else can take you to these deeper states you can go into more imaginative places more energetic places with people but this deep meditation where a lot of this deep personal work that us in the meditation space see as the holy grail and the place where you're going to get the most from it is a place where no one else can take you i i love that you said that because obviously a lot of people want to sell apps but i always wondered the same thing i so i'm addicted to guided meditation i try mm. and meditate on my own and then i just think oh it's just easier to yeah, listen it's too to somebody hard, yeah, else it's harder yeah exactly but then when i 
tried to do it on my own, I start hearing their voice and I'm thinking, mm. it's not right, yeah. right? So is it then a good approach is to start with guided meditation and then slowly wean yourself off? No. I think use that as an aid. If you're first getting used started, use the guided for things like body scans, so preparing the body for meditation. Right, and then drop off. Yeah. And then take it over yourself. At what point do you do that? Do you stop the so, so you can actually, gui- guidance? So this is a really good point and it comes into sort of how your practice is. So you can integrate them both into the same practice. So you can do some guided, but you yep. want to finish with meditation. So there might be like two or three minutes, however long that you're dedicating. So again, so at the moment, if I've got half an hour put aside for my practice, it's about six or seven minutes for movement, mantra, pranayama, different things to do it and then it's the rest of it's dedicated to the meditation side of things okay that makes a lot of sense i'm glad you clarified that that's good really good yeah and i think again just that i I will continue to harp on this point again but if it ain't broke don't fix it right so if there is a state where there's no and we're talking about different if we're talking about different practices as well is that there's different mantras so you can be a visual person so you might want to visualize one thing in your mind and just focus in on that and surrender to that you can use a candle or you can have an open eye meditation where you just literally just immerse yourself in that vision. You can use the breath, you can count breath, but ultimately you want to get it to a point where you drop everything and surrender. You know, so you're using these techniques. So again, we're slowly turning the spotlights from out. And yep. when we move that yep. thing into in, we just surrender and you just sit in that in that nothingness and allow everything to essentially pass through it and you just go deeper and deeper in that respect. Okay. Okay. There's so many things I want to talk about. I'm categorizing them and, and just filing them away as you, you talk. Okay, so one thing that I do, mm-hmm. and I assume a lot of people do, and I'm wondering whether it's good or bad. So there's apps like Headspace. Is that mm-hmm. Mindspace or Headspace? Headspace, Headspace yeah. yeah, with Andy, whatever his name is. A cool English guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's really cool. I yeah, like he's his got a voice. great voice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's published some sleep casts now, mm. just stories. In other words, it's like a bedtime story. Yeah, yeah. And so I plug in mm-hmm. and the story might go for like 45 minutes and then there's just white noise after that for mm-hmm. like 500 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I plug in and honestly within, you know, five minutes, I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's great. Asleep. But what, what's happening to our mind? Because before I go to sleep, I, and I know a lot of people share mm. this challenge, and that is... You toss and turn, lots to think, especially when you've got a lot of things happening yeah. the next day. So I'm forever writing in my notepad. So it's a brain dump so I can mm. get back to sleep. And sometimes that can take 20 minutes, half an hour, sometimes yeah. an hour. Then I discovered these sleep casts that you just listen to. You just yeah. plug in and listen to. And I don't think about anything. It just mm. drifts me off to sleep. Is that a good thing? Or yeah. Is that a crutch? Absolutely. It? I think that's that's a wonderful tool. If, if you have a very strong meditation practice, you probably wouldn't need that. Right. I think that's because if you think about it, you've got something that's happening right now that you're focused on that you're enjoying. So that's sort of why you're in that situation. It's also why I'd recommend not meditating lying down because you're likely to fall asleep because... You know, the thing that's really keeping you up, as you're saying, your mind bouncing around, yeah. but also at that sleep time, it's your physiological response to that. So if you've got stressful things happening, your body is stressing out. Right. It's actually releasing chemicals based around stress. It doesn't know the difference. So it's like an evolutionary hangover. 
you're, you're responding to things at a physiological level that you just don't need to, right? So typically that might have been like there's a storm coming and we don't have shelter or there's imminent yeah. threat yeah. to us yeah. in terms of we have no food source or whatever it is. Everyone has their own journey. And what seems really simple to someone is really difficult to other people. You know, some people are like, they've got it so good. Why are they stressed out? They're just responding to things, at, but at the same physiological level to that. Okay. So we're lying in bed and we're doing that. Like the body is not relaxed. It's in the sympathetic nervous system is engaged, it's ready to go. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah. shit, there's something wrong here. We've, you know yeah. what? Well, I'm under attack. I'm stressed out. The, the body's not relaxing. So by switching, you know, we're really mm. switching a switch from <coughs> fight or flight to rest and digest. And so when you can flip that switch, that's when you can relax and that's when you can let it go. But it all begins at up, up in the top two inches, right? Yep. Yeah. That's that space it comes. And I love those sleep things, by the way. I, you know, when I wasn't practicing, when I had the back thing, I had those on all the time because it helps me sleep because I can't sleep otherwise if I'm not training my mind and getting into that situation where i can switch off so it's just a, essentially a bedtime story yeah it's like an it's just it's an anchor to the present that's just nice and soft and you can you oh, know, i love it let's if you're listening that's one key takeaway from this uh podcast mm. uh, so listen to a bedtime story that's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i always there's uh, one on the headspace that is uh, like a really sexy British accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> With this. And I love that. My wife says to me, what are you listening to? Because once the thing popped out. Yeah. You know, and I said, oh, it's just a, just, a bedtime just, you know, story. It's just an English gentleman's dulcet tones. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sending me off to sleep. Yeah. yeah it was this like saucy mix. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it absolutely works so it, if it can switch you out of the past and future and into the present mm. allows your body to relax hey um yeah that's but awesome i think just taking that a step further is if you can do that in your waking yeah. time under your own steam and starting to connect with your energetic and emotional self it's a whole different ball game it's something that I wanted to talk about today as well is that there's so many benefits and there's a lot of benefits that you can easily research in terms of lowered blood pressure and, you know, better sleep and, you know, all, all, cortisol. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of these very, anti-aging. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of these very measurable things which are, are, are readily accessible. The one thing that I wanted to sort of, I guess, emphasize today is that the more you can do this and the and the deeper you can get into your practice, you can start to unlock whole new parts of yourself that your ego will not give you access to. And that is from much more from a vibrational and energetic point of view. And this sounds I know this sounds like airy fairy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like But so can BS. you can you give it some substance then? So, I mean, again, the substance is this has been written about for thousands of years. Again, like people that practice it know it. We are our own scientific experiment with meditation. The whole practice is scientific. It is hypothesis, practice, outcome. And people do the same thing, get the same results. So when I do these kriyas and I'm doing these drawing energy up from the base of the spine to the top of my head, you feel it in a big way right you can feel it yeah, I, I felt it, it when we did our meditation i yeah. remember it just rises yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and what that unlocks is just absolutely incredible because you become more of an energetic being and you can start to 
understand how you're feeling from moment to moment, not how you're thinking, but how you're yep. feeling. Yep. yep. So then you can get into a situation where, hey, this feels good. I'm going to do more of this. Hey, this doesn't feel good. It's not good for me. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to get into a state where I'm feeling good. Yep. One thing that is interesting in my own life is that I can think my way into situations that aren't good for me. I'll justify a situation because my mind is stuck in old patterns or whatever it might be, or it has an idea of what's good and what's not good, and it leads me down a wrong path. I and think people can relate to that. A lot of people yeah. think like that. Yeah, It's a self-destructive pattern. That yeah, mind, the yeah. mind is a great tool or a destroyer. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that we have bad thoughts, negative emotions, and, and all these sort of things, I mean, who wants those? Does anyone want them? Do you want to think yeah, bad exactly. things? And you know when there's times when you're feeling good yeah. and there's a situation where you let something slide and it's everyone's better off for it. You're better off for it because you're like, oh, there's no point in me blowing up there or, or you're feeling bad and you respond in a certain way and you're like, shit, I wish I didn't say that. You know, No one feels good after an exchange like that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So there's always a choice. There's always yeah. an option. And this is the real power of meditation. It starts to allow you to write your own story the one that feels better so it's a real control thing it's like i don't need to listen to this if i have negative thoughts or if i start going down a negative spiral of things that don't serve me i say out loud cancel and i see a red cancel come up in my mind's eye and i stop that thought immediately oh wow that's powerful and then i just breathe and then i just and it's amazing you can actually train your brain in this respect you can stop doing these things and you can put things that you want in a more positive manner in there instead this is one of the things with this meditation is you need to step out of your thoughts you've got to practice stepping out of your thoughts to have more control we can talk about all these other things but this is the real meat on the bones for our listeners and for the people that are focused on the eight areas of life Mm. and this is why i think it's so important i know that everything that we do is really important but i think this practice really underpins everything that we're doing you want to be more you know generous you want to be more loving you've got to be in that moment and you've got to do your best to take away from those things that you don't want you don't have to listen to those negative thoughts you have a choice but you've got to give yourself every advantage possible. So use the system that's been around for as long as we've recorded history. You know, I implore, yeah. I implore your readers to get you know, our listeners to give it a go and, and but give mm. it a go with some sincerity. Like you will be rewarded. It's hard, but the harder it is, the bigger the rewards are. And the rewards, in my view anyway, I think, you know, are some of the biggest that you can have because First of all, your relationship with yourself changes and then that, that will then change your relationship with everything else outside of you. Absolutely. And there's anti-aging benefits. I've known you for 10 years and you actually <laughs> look the same. I mean, <laughs> Meditation and moisturize, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's key. <laughs> the two M's. Yeah. But I, I love that key takeaway for people. So if you're listening at this moment, whether you're in the car or wherever you may be, I think what you just said is so beautiful and that is when you have an irritating moment when you step into a state where you're angry or fearful come up with a word for you you use the word cancel Mm. Uh, for me it's change okay right and i i learned that whenever i'm doing something that is not loving to me and when i say that it's something you mentioned earlier 
people to know that you are not your thoughts. You are the essence mm. that witnesses your thoughts. So mm. whenever you catch yourself feeling angry or fearful and you say to yourself, cancel or change, that is who you really are, mm. not the thoughts. So you are the writer, director and producer of your own life. Don't be the actor. You're not the actor. You're not the, the storyline, right? Mm. You, know, you write the storyline. And I think if you can just now for the next eight weeks as part of the challenge, every time you catch yourself in a negative state or you know what I call having an irritating moment, I've, I use my word is change. Mm. So I say change. In other words, change your state. Yeah. And then I've taught myself to replace that uh, irritating moment with a moment of gratitude. Yeah. So it's it, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I do. It's almost similar to what yeah. you mentioned. So for those of you listening, every time you have an irritating moment, just notice it, smile, remember mm. <laughs> what Tom just said and just step into a, another state. And the easiest way for me to do that is start listing all the things that you should be grateful for. Mm. You know, if you're living in Australia, say I live in a safe, secure country with a stable government, stable currency, mm. an abundance of fruit and vegetables. That's it. I have a family. If you do have a family that loves you, if you have children, if you can taste food, if you can see, if mm. you can feel, it's the simplest of things. And then whatever the irritating moment was just disappears. Yeah. It just disintegrates. For people that want to know what meditation is, the whole time as you're sitting there and you're acknowledging a thought and you're letting it go. So you're really practicing that for the real stuff, which is out there in, in, in life. Exactly. So meditation helps you. Yeah, you're, that's where you're, pra yeah, you're yeah. practicing. So, the, the, so again, I guess to give people a little bit further clarification, you're sitting, thoughts will arise. You might acknowledge that. You can just, or, and you just let them go. Thoughts will arise. You let them go. Thoughts will arise. Let them go. Thoughts will arise. And the, the further you get into your practice, thoughts will arise, small gap. Thoughts will arise, let go, small gap. And right. eventually it's bigger gap. And then you go, okay, I might have 10 seconds here. I didn't really have a thought. And then you might sit there for longer and you get a lovely feeling of expansion in the body. You start to get in touch with your energetic body. It feels great. Like it's doing the drugs without the hangover. And you're walking on clouds for days after, you know, when you really get that connection. I've explored a lot of different things in my time. And, you know, the, the, it's a, there's so many annoying cliches and that sort of stuff. But you can't get any higher than that, like, you know, when you really get into it. And there is the, the hangover is not that. It's the complete opposite. You, you step out and you feel like you're a thousand foot tall. You love everybody. You feel very connected. And it feels really natural. You know, that's one thing I noticed. You, it just feels like that's how you're supposed to live your life. Yeah, it, for me, it gives me a sense of clarity. It's mm. like my peripheral vision opens. Yeah. It's like my mind is just open. Doubts disappear. Doubts, yeah. it's calm. Mm. And I love that how you're giving people permission to, really to persist with the meditation, even if it's a second gap. Because so early on, great, yeah. when I started meditating and I didn't have people such as yourself guiding me, I'd get annoyed with myself every time my mind would drift. And then I slowly figured out that meditation isn't about you know, achieving stillness. It's about noticing your thoughts drift and mm. then bringing them back to stillness. Mm. And every time you practice, that gap gets longer and longer. And sometimes you'll have this, I don't know, the stars align. And then mm. suddenly you go through a five-minute gap where it's just complete stillness. Mm. 
when you come out of it, it's like you're seeing things so clearly. Yeah. It's like all this noise that builds up in our brain, mm. it's like you're taking a broom and just sweeping it off, mm. you know, yeah. away from your brain. And I think today more than ever, like I accept that meditation has been going on for thousands of years, mm. okay? And it is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, health practice. Mm. But there's no denying that it's a lot more difficult to meditate now because our speed of thought or number of thoughts that go through our mind is a lot more than 40 years ago, than 100 years ago. So, you know, 200 years ago, yeah, we'd have different stresses, but mm. we'd have less thoughts because there's less information coming through our eyes and our ears. The more information that comes in, the more processing speed that's going on in our brain. So there's no doubt now we're much faster, like we're faster thinkers. We, mm. Our computer chip is in overdrive, right? It's mm. processing so much information. So distraction is increasing. And there are some people, and this was me probably 20 odd years ago, yeah. where I was addicted to distraction. Right. Right. I couldn't, I didn't want to sit still. And mm. I know there's people listening out there that thrive on that but they don't realize that they're taxing their central nervous system when they're always in sympathetic mode rather than parasympathetic yeah. mode. So I guess the point I'm making is that don't feel too bad if you find it difficult because our brains have been bombarded with yeah. so much information and it's harder to slow down that computer chip in our brain to be able to get into that state mm. of stillness it just takes a lot more practice than what it probably did many years ago. Yeah, this that brings up another very common thing that I hear if, if people know what I do. So I can't meditate. My mind's too busy. That's right. Yeah. You know, there's another saying. You know, every person should meditate. For, you know, for half an hour a day, unless you can't. You say you can't do it, and you should do it for an hour. You know. So it really. Really. It, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. I mean, if you're one of these people that says, I can't meditate, that's simply not true. You don't know what it is, and you, you haven't, it hasn't been framed to you properly. So people say, oh, what, what is it? Oh, yeah, you know, I, do, I sit down, and I listen to my thing, and, I, you know, it's like, no, it's not. You know, learn what, learn the, the ancient techniques and the, the techniques that have stood the test of time. Find stillness and, and find a practice like that. The thing that worries me, I think, with what's happening most recently if you look at meditation, it's really about you're, you're practicing focusing on one thing for an extended period of time. If I'm on Instagram, there's no more than 60 seconds of intense stimulation, new thing, intense stimulation for a short amount of time. That's right. So the focus patterns are very short and really highly concentrated for that time. So it's a really not a great state to be in because if you think about you're not having 60 second or less interactions with important people and important things in your life, whether that be work or family. You're not dealing with people in those short amounts of time. So you can't stay, it's, very, it's going to be a lot harder to be mindful. So if you're spending three hours a day on socials, consuming content quick, and then you go home and you're having dinner with your family and you're doing your homework with your kids and that sort of thing, or whatever it might be, you might be spending three hours at a time. It's like there's a real disconnect there between what we're doing and in, in totally. that respect to that. Yeah. So I think that's probably one of the concerns that around the, the way that we're consuming things and, and how that sort of affects our concentration levels. So are you saying that really uh, a digital deluge of social media is anti-meditation or anti our ability to meditate? 
it won't necessarily help your practice you know help in the way that there's very inspirational things that you can see and do to help you know consume and you can curate your content to make sure that you see what you need to see to you know inspire your life and the, and the whole side of things so i think there's value in it as a distribution tool and i think for me as a teacher i see it as a really big opportunity to bring this out to the masses and let people understand what it really is and how you'll benefit from it but in terms of our mindless scrolling and, and that sort of thing, it won't help you sitting and focusing for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, so the, I, I guess the answer is minimise your <laughs> I mean, uh, addiction I, to social media. Well, just make sure you're doing both at least. <laughs> like, you know, don't yeah. just, you know, and, and I think if you're suffering, if you're not doing that kind of practice and the, and all you're doing is that, consumption of, of very quick turnaround media and, and whatever it might be and you're noticing that your relationships are suffering or your work's suffering you're sitting there and you can't do a task for five minutes you get distracted by your phone or whatever it is it's like you know maybe i don't know i don't want to be these people say put down your phone like anything in life do a practice to help you stay and do whatever you want to do yeah yep well you'd be surprised how many people actually can't stop picking up their phone and looking yeah. at notifications mm. so I, I tell people turn them off yeah absolutely all yeah. notifications yeah. not just social media but all the apps but also email and text i actually yeah i don't have pop-up notifications mm. so i because it depends on your personality but i'm an addictive personality so i if i go on instagram too much i have to start looking at it so yeah. many years ago i took the conscious effort of just giving myself five minutes a day mm. and that's it mm. five minutes a day that's all i'm on socials yeah so because I, I think it is anti stillness it mm. is anti relationships i think it's anti-productivity I, I can go on and on but there are more people out there addicted to social media than to meditation and yeah. that's sad yeah and i th that's a really good point i think if you're on the fence or you're probably hopefully not on the fence if you're still listening to us by now <laughs> But I mean, if this is maybe something you can, if you're an advocate and you know, you're enjoying this or whatever it might be, just try something new. I think I'm, and I mentioned this before when I came in, you know, thanks to our good friend, Alex Pike, I'm doing the 75 hard. I'm at day 45 or something like that. And I was so like, it's a program. Yep. Yeah. So it's a program. It's like, you know, I'm 36 years old and I haven't had an extended period off drinking since I started drinking when I was 18 years old. Right, you know, I might right. do, you know, 10 days here, 20 days here and that sort of thing. And I'm like, why the hell not just try something new and see what happens and really go into it? And, you know, the results for me have just been, like, phenomenal to the point where I'm like, oh, I don't think I'll go back to, so what to is, where it is. Just, like, just really quickly, what is that about? Look, if, if anyone, you know, it's a mental challenge, but, you know, there's a very much people like to post progress photos about it. It's... 75 days uh, and I, at the start I was like I'm never going to do that that's too long I'll start I'll get to a week see how I'm feeling and then I'll try and get to you know two weeks and see how I'm feeling but again standards are high I want to go in and I want to give it my all so it's drinking a gallon of water 3.7 litres of water a day seems a lot you know but once you get into it again you'll notice after a week you'll have a bit of a flush of the toxins your skin will get a bit blotchy but then after that you're like oh it's glowing 
you know it's really yeah, clear yep. you do two exercises a day 45 minutes one's outside one you know one has to be outside each one for 45 minutes each one 45 so i go wow. for a walk yeah. i live right next to centennial park i'm very lucky to live there and you know so i'll go for a walk around there walk the dog it's beautiful you know i love it and then i'll go to the gym typically or do some yin um you know yin yoga or whatever it might be later on in the day they've got to be three hours apart as well you can't sort of put them into one so it's that's why they call it 75 hard yeah it's, yeah. <laughs> it's quite a bit of yeah, time it is. commitment yeah. and it's you've got to stick to a diet so yeah. my diet's vegetarian you know i've cut out chocolate and my favorite chippies you know i haven't eaten chippies for <laughs> 45 days you mean so. chocolate's not vegetarian yeah no it is but i'm like okay so i'm doing vegetarian but i'm also cutting out those two things because i'm quite naughty with that sort of stuff Choc- so what are the two things again chocolate well, actually the three chocolate and ice cream and, and chips okay but chips are my absolute kryptonite but and what else you've yep. got to read 10 pages of a, an inspirational or educational book so you, you know something that's um non-fiction okay yep uh, and I've read some really good ones. I read a I read one by uh, Dr. Wayne Dwyer uh, oh, about living in inspiration. It was fantastic. Yeah, Barry Nicolau, who's been on the podcast, raves about that book. He's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really good. So being yeah, and and into a few different books at the moment, all across sort of similar ilks, and I think that's about it. But again, my takeaway from that was. And I guess my, I guess more importantly, my mindset going into that was like, why the hell not? You know, it, it, especially as we get into our adult lives, we do the same thing over and over and over and over yeah. and over again. Yep. And when we invest in stuff that we know should make us feel better, and you really go all in to invest in that, yep. You, yep. You, your rewards are phenomenal, you know, but there is always that hurdle to overcome. There's always going to be... A moment where people are like right that's enough i've got to do something right you know and this uh, there can be a whole bunch of different reasons why that is and then i guess i look at i'm from a very traditional background in terms of where i was taught and what i practice and this is again i think i've mentioned this before this is why i loved your whole message for the first time i picked up your book it resonated exactly with those old ways of living holistically making sure your life is balanced, making sure that you're contributing all those different areas of your life. And again, that's what yoga is. People say, if you hear the word yoga, people think yoga mats and they're going off doing that sort of thing. That's not what yoga is. That The physical aspect is probably the smallest part of what yoga is. It is a mental practice. It is a how you relate to yourself. It is how you relate to other people. You know, yeah. karma yoga, for example, how you, know, how you give back to your community how you look after your mind, what you think about, and all these sort of things. So the more you can integrate that, and as I said before, that meditation, your mind is that part that really is the driving force because you, no matter what happens, whether it's you want to go to a gym, you, you, you want to you know, change your diet, you want to do all that sort of stuff, it begins with the decision. But you know, importantly yep. as well is that it begins with a vibration. Like This is what the yogis know is it's, we go back deeper and you raise your energy and you raise your vibration you have more good thoughts you have more good action and you have more energy to do that love that so awesome so let's leave people then with the challenge for the next eight weeks we've given them a couple so we'll work through and as i said we'll start very small and by the end of eight weeks we'll get to a point where you can have a solid practice by the end of that eight weeks sounds good really good cool so it's good to see you i can't believe an hour has passed already (laughs) so i guess the the next time i see you will be in meditation practice together 
Let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, for everyone that's listening, I hope um, this podcast has been informative. You know, we've tried to cover a lot of things that you would be thinking about. And I know a lot of you will get into a busy state, but don't forget to make time for yourself. It's honestly the best investment you'll make in life. Until next time, live consciously.